It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we've got the People's Insider, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. He's been reporting all summer long on the goings-on in the league and especially the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. And we dig into the status of the KD conversations. Will this draw out into the season? Well, then let's just say screw it and bring Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving back. We also talk about the difficult challenges, but not impossible challenge, that is getting information out of the Toronto Raptors. Plus, where is the league going when it comes to the trade market? It seems totally out of whack right now with a number of picks flying around and all these potential offers for guys like Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant, the deal we just saw for Rudy Gobert. Will there be a course correction? We'll talk about those questions and more with Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1221 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, July the 22nd. Yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can follow the podcast and all your favorite podcast apps for free. You can also go and subscribe on YouTube for the low, low price of On The House as well. It's much appreciated when you take the time to do that and support the show it's a free podcast this is the way you support it and that is the very 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 much appreciated and it takes no time at all so please do it uh thanks for making us your first listen of the day as always and thanks for being here for what is a very fun episode as we have jake fisher of bleacher report of course the author of built to lose his book about how tanking in the nba changed the league forever jake's the best and he has been doing killer work all summer long reporting on the league and the various goings on for bleacher report he just simply rocks and we had a great chat today about where the kevin durant thing sits 
right now? Where do the Raptors sort into it all? Are they even that inclined to put their best offer on the table considering what they have built for themselves here? Plus, we get into some other bigger questions about the Raptors and trying to get information out of a team that is notoriously tough to get information from and some bigger picture questions about the trade market in the NBA. Without further ado, let's get to it with Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. It's a great time. Have fun. All right, joining me now on Locked on Raptors is the People's Insider from Bleacher Report, from the wonderful Please Don't Aggregate This podcast on Colin is Jake Fisher. Jake, how's it going, man? Hey, man. How you doing? Thanks for the kind intro. I, uh, I'm happy to have you, man. I'm uh, really thrilled. I think you've been doing killer work this offseason, and it's been really cool that you're just, like, happy to share what you got with the people. It's fantastic. So we're going to do some of that today as it relates to, of course, the Toronto Raptors and the Kevin Durant saga, which seems to have quieted down. I know the whole league's on vacation right now, so that might be part of it. But also, it seems like the Nets are in no rush to move on from KD unless they're going to get the King's ransom they're asking for. It seems as though Scotty Barnes is off the table from reporting from all over the place, and I think that's probably the right move if you're the Toronto Raptors. But where do things stand right now, Jake, with the KD negotiations? Do you see this now going into the new season? And where do the Raptors kind of fall into all of this as a team that's never really been stated as a desired destination of KD, but has obviously been lurking as some of the, the reporting is suggested and obviously has the package potentially to woo the Nets if they put all their sort of the cards on the table? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for a while now, after the initial weekend when Nets people kind of went dark and went in the hole and (laughs) gathered around the the war room table and were looking for offers around the league. Um, You know, it it got, it's been pretty clear from the get go, honestly, that there isn't an offer that's coming right now or coming anytime soon. That's going to meet the Nets lofty asking price. There are people Mm -hmm. from, other teams that I've spoken with who are, you know, in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, if you will, that are comparing his situation to Kawhi Leonard back in San Antonio in 2018 and looking at him and saying, well, the Spurs wanted, you know, this, that, and that, and they only got DeMar DeRozan, Yaka Pertle, and a first-round pick from Masai and, and the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how a lot of these teams are operating right now. This could – you know, that, that could mean things pick up as, as everyone comes back from a vacation, as we get closer to media day on September, I think it's 26th. Um, but, you know, for the time being, Nets people have been saying, you know, throughout the summer, we don't have to trade this guy. And, mm-hmm. and if there's no offer that comes. And the Rudy Gobert trade that at first seemed to benefit Brooklyn in that, oh, this is, you know, what Rudy Gobert went for. So what's Kevin mm-hmm. Durant going to have to go for? It might have actually kind of hurt the Nets in some degree, being that it's the, the, the price for a superstar has now gotten so high. I don't know if any team is going to be willing to pay that price, being that how much are they going to have left with KD mm-hmm. you know, to, to actually go compete and keep him happy and, and, and having him want to remain there for the remainder of this contract, just like Brooklyn's kind of struggling to do. So... It is a thorny situation, and you know, until a team really does present an offer that's going to make the, the Nets really gather and have to think about it, or until Kevin Durant gives some type of messaging that I'm not going to be playing for you this season, like I'm going to mm-hmm. I'm going to pull up Simmons, I'm going to make a stink, we got to get something done. Now, it's going to have to take one. 
I mean, maybe there's another variable, but I think it's going to have to be one of those two events that actually stems a Kevin Durant trade happening anytime soon. Yeah, and the sort of idea of the Etowak trade market, I want to get to a little bit later, but the... I guess the way I've kind of read the situation based on all the reporting that's come out from you and others is that like, it does feel like a bit of uh, the whole league's maybe going to try to call the Nets bluff on, are you actually going to bring these guys back and like try to run it back? And I guess I'm curious, like, where are you on the idea of that and like how viable that would even be? We've heard Joe Sy say that like, he just would rather, you know, own a team that plays hard and wins 44 games, get back to the Kenny Atkinson Halcyon days of the Nets or whatever, as opposed to whatever the deal has been the last couple years. Like, do you think they'll actually just ride this all the way through and say, you know what, he's got four years left, he's coming back, even though it seems like kind of a noxious stew of personalities and emotions going on, that if you were to bring it back, it could just be like a worse version of the disastrous nets we've already seen? Yeah, well, when the James Harden stuff started popping up in January, and I started making calls about that whole situation, um, Mm -hmm. And even before that, when it, when you'd started, I'd started hearing rumblings, you know, back in the fall of last year, about when KD came back from the Olympic run in the off season, and he was ready to go win a title, and Harden was a little bit out of shape, and Harden was, you know, having his quote unquote hamstring injuries, and he was sitting games. Like, I was told from many people around Brooklyn, around Kevin Durant, that KD wasn't thrilled. You know, aren't we hoopers? Like, aren't we here to go play and to win? So. Mm-hmm. That's my only knowledge to work with here to, to guess about how he'll approach still being on the team. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm expecting if he's in Brooklyn, I mean, again, I'm compl- this is a complete guess, right? Because mm-hmm. I haven't talked to KD about it, and we're sitting here recording this on July 22nd, which will be way different than September 22nd. <laughs> um, but it doesn't seem like it's in his profile to sit, to cause a fuss, to you know, try to force his way out other than what he's done so far. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the Nets have done things like trading a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal. They went out and convinced T.J. Warren to sign a minimum deal with them. Um, not convinced, but you know what I mean. Um, sure. They do not want to trade Joe Harris from everything I've heard. Like The, the notion that he's a salary dump is not real. They mm-hmm. Everyone from top of management to lower-level Nets coaches – when this the, when the Nets got swept by the Celtics, they were all saying, "What if we had Joe Harris?" You know, too. Like he, he's a big piece that they're all looking forward to getting back. I think I really do believe that Brooklyn people, Brooklyn management, are hoping that when there is no deal on the table, KD will look at the Nets roster and say, "This is my best chance to win a title." Anyway, we've still got Kyrie here, and who knows how good Ben Simmons can be if he gets right, Joe. Seth Curry, Patty Mills is back, Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren, Nick Claxton, everyone's expecting to take a leap. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think on paper, that's still one of the most dangerous lineups in the Eastern Conference. So the Nets, I think, really are, it might be a negotiating tactic, but I think they're also kind of bluffing themselves. Like they're kind of hoping right. that the standpoint will ultimately just work itself out and Kevin Durant will be back. All right, we've got more coming up with Jake Fisher digging into more of the KD stuff and the far-reaching ramifications of the bazillion picks flying around in all these superstar trades. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games 
It is Bet Online. They have reviews. They have injury reports. They got everything you need to be the informed wager, whether it's baseball, football, basketball, hockey, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all there for you. You can even put down money on like weird European basketball leagues. Yes, I've done it. It's fun. It's weird. I lost money because I didn't know what I was doing, but it's there. I did not take the advice of Bet Online and use all of their wonderful resources to be the informed wager when I put money down on Megalex to win a game, but you can do it and put down money with an informed lean, and maybe you're going to win yourself some cash. BetOnline.net continues to be the top sports, top, top online resource, that is, for all your sports wagering info. Head to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline.net, where the game starts. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. And let's get back to it now. The conversation with Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. Fair enough. And I guess that sort of leads into where the Raptors are in terms of like their desire to put all the chips on the table. You know, I I don't know if there's ever been any reporting. It doesn't sound like there has of like an official offer having been made to the Nets by the Raptors. I would assume if there is something, it's definitely doesn't have Scotty Barnes. I would guess it probably doesn't have Pascal Siakam because like Siakam ideally is sort of the perfect fit with KD that you ideally try to pair him with. And so that leaves kind of like the the backup offer, right? Like the OG plus Trent, maybe you throw in Precious Achua as a sweetener and all the picks. And, you know, I don't blame the Nets for saying that's not enough if that, in fact, is the offer, which, again, I don't think it has been reported or anything. It's just sort of reading tea leaves. But where do you think the Raptors are if there is an offer out there? Like, you know, share if you feel you're at liberty to do so. But, you know, do you think that they're kind of in a position where, like, that's if there is an offer on the table, it's kind of like, take it or leave it. We're fine with the team we have if you won't take the sort of low ball offer that we have out there. Or do you think they're motivated to potentially, if a bidding war does start to turn up a little closer to the season, maybe start to entertain the Pascals or even the Scotty of it all, um, if that comes to pass closer to the season starting? Yeah, I know definitively at this point that the Raptors have not made their best their best potential offer to Brooklyn. That's really all I can mm-hmm. say. I don't know if they're going to. Doesn't seem like they will. Um, sure. And to your point, like the Raptors were not necessarily preparing for Kevin Durant to become available on the trade market. <laughs> right. I'm sure. You know, I'd started to hear rumblings about Phoenix and Miami back in May. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure people at the highest levels of NBA front offices were getting those rumblings too. But you know, is it really going to happen? Are we really going to have a chance? Is the deal really going to be done? I'm. I'm I am pretty positive that Toronto's personnel are bullish on what they're building there and yeah. feel good about taking a next step, believe in Scotty Barnes as being a really critical piece that could help open up 
a new, a new title window with the remnants of the last one and not to dismiss not to be dismissive of Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam because you know, they're, they're remnants, but they're fixtures, right? Like they're, yeah. they're absolute franchise cornerstones. So they're the new Kyle and DeMar. Exactly. They're the new yeah. Kyle and DeMar. So um, I think the Raptors feel very confident in their standing, which has to me been reflected by the fact that, like I said at the top of this answer, I know pretty definitively the Raptors have not made an offer to Brooklyn that would really rank anywhere near the best offers that uh, the Nets, at least at least from my last conversation with someone about it in Las Vegas. And I, <laughs> if things changed, I think we would have heard about it. Sure. Sure. It makes a lot of sense. I, uh, so this is more of an inside baseball question for you, Jake. The, the Raptors are this team that's been sort of, they've built up this reputation that like, they don't give up anything. They're, they're the one team that like Woj and Shams can't get their draft pick. Even if it's like the 33rd pick, like you find out on TV what the, who the Raptors took. They have this sort of like veneer of, yeah, they, they just don't leak anything. There's no way that can be totally true, right? Like, I'm curious, like, from your perspective, you know, you're talking to lots of people around the league, you have connections everywhere. Like, are the Raptors actually what they are kind of billed to be as this, like, fortress of information you can't access? Or is it a little easier to kind of understand what's going on? Maybe just from, like, the people who are talking to people within the Raptors you have contacts with, maybe that's the way in. But I'm just, I've always been fascinated with whether the Raptors are actually what they sort of profess themselves to be as this leak-free operation. There are definitely teams like Orlando, Toronto, OKC, San Antonio, who operate with, we are not going to have leaks here. We are not going to blah, blah, blah. That Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's impossible to find out information about that franchise. And that doesn't mean that that team doesn't have, like there are people with Toronto that I have relationships with. I know Raptors (laughs) would like to say I have no one connected to the franchise. (laughs) Are those people... Are those people calling me and telling me everything they're trying to do? No. But also, the Raptors are one of the more active teams in the league. Like, just right. historically, they, they, they make calls. They talk about ideas. Like, the reason the Raptors are in the news a lot in terms of, you know, the, the, the potential transactions that could occur, you know, look back at the Goran Dragic situation, right? Like, right. The Raptors made that sign and trade with Kyle Lowry and got back Goran Dragic. The deal took, I forget how many days, but it took a while to become official because the Raptors were calling around the league and trying to see if anyone wanted to go get Goran Dragic from them. Right. So I heard about that from a lot of different teams. <laughs> you know, as Goran Dragic. So, uh, you know, when you put out, oh, the Raptors are trying to expand this, whatever, and it doesn't happen because no one wants to meet the Raptors' asking price. I can I see fans say, "Oh, well, that's wrong. We're not actually doing that." But no, like just because a deal doesn't get done doesn't mean it wasn't discussed. So, <laughs> um, you know, you look forward to last year's trade deadline. Like then the Raptors changed their tune. They weren't trying to sell Goran Dragic. They were trying to use him as an expiring contract with a first round pick to go and get better. So yeah. they had talks all around the league with. Atlanta about Danilo Gallinari, I remember. They talked to Dallas about Christos Porzingis. Like, the way it's been described to me from people who have worked with the Raptors is that um, what that front office likes to do is they like to put all their options on the board and then pick their best one. So the Thad Young one, I didn't hear about, I'll be honest, until it happened. But I definitely heard that Thad Young was being discussed. Like, you know, you get these pieces of info out. Like, there's not – it's not, like, impossible to find out what a team is doing if you're smart about looking at all the aspects on the board because there are agents involved there are you know players 
people around them. And I hate using the word camp. Like I remember being younger, <laughs> like that's just the easiest way to do it. Cause there's a trainer and a dietitian and an agent or a brother or an uncle or, you know, a college coach who's really involved. A high school coach who's really involved. Like for all, all I mean, it's not, it's not the same for every person, obviously, but like, right. you're just a guy, Sean, I'm just a guy. Like if you make it as a big time person, like you were going to take people with you and there are going to be people who are confidence or confidants of yours. Like it's not, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm going through some contract stuff myself right now. I'm like, I'm trying to <laughs> much other people about it because I don't want it to get out there, but like, I know it's going to get out there because it's a small industry. So yeah. Like are the rappers conscious of trying to not have their info, you know, under my byline on under other people's bylines on Twitter. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you're going to be successful at completely shutting things out. Like the thunder, you know, was able to figure out that they were trying to trade up for uh Dang in this year's right. The, the right. Knicks were too. That's how the Knicks were able to hold them over a barrel and get three first round picks for. <laughs> so as much as teams, but on the flip side, like the magic were successful and, and stuffing out everyone about Paolo Boncaro. But, like, I still found out that they called him on Wednesday before the draft and, like, really, you know, made a serious overture and that Paolo's people were just not sold that they were actually being serious. So, like, mm-hmm. they'll find out these things. It's, not, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, it's a confined industry and ecosystem that, like, is an eco chamber, and you're going to hear about it at some point in time. Going to finish up here with Jake Fisher in just one second. But before we do that, just want to tell you about the NFL's top 50 players, which we're running all week long over on the Locked On NFL channel. Which NFL stars move the betting lines the most? Starting July 18th, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on the Locked On NFL podcast or on YouTube, wherever you get those podcasts. Subscribe. It's free wherever you go. It's the Locked On NFL's top 50 most valuable players brought to you by Bet Online. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The steamroller of the transaction industrial complex is unstoppable. It's just a, it's just a fact of life. Uh, want to close off on this, Jake. So you wrote a book, uh, Tanking to the Top, but the Sixers in the process and all that was caught up in that. And it does, I think, tie back to what we were talking about off the top of the show regarding the sort of out-of-whack trade market. To me, the way things have progressed is sort of like the logical endpoint of like a process era NBA where lots of teams are trying to do this thing where they tank to the bottom hoard all the picks and by the time that all happens you have like six teams that have all the picks for the next six years or whatever it is you know you have like numbers of picks being dealt out for stars that are like illegal for most teams to even send out you need to have the hoard to be able to even be part of these conversations in some cases like the Donovan Mitchell one it seems I'm curious Jake how does the market ever reset 
Like, is there going to be a moment, do you think, where it does reset so, you know, a Kevin Durant trade negotiation doesn't become more complex by the fact that Rudy Gobert got traded for everything the Wolves have ever had and will have? Like, is there a logical sort of correction coming or is it just going to spiral so the only teams that can make these star trades are the teams that have everyone's picks, you know, three different teams' pick futures kind of all in their coffers for the next five years? Like, where do you think this goes? Because it does feel like it could be a thing that starts to stagnate the star trade market if like most teams don't even have the stuff. And then a lot of the teams like the Thunder who have all the picks maybe aren't incentivized to go trade for guys because A, maybe they can't keep them there or B, they're just content to keep running it back and winning 25 games and getting more high picks because some people are freaks for high picks. Uh, where are you at with the sort of possibility of a correction and how do you think that could look? Yeah, um... Just real quick, my, my book's called Built to Lose. Your own white spins. Oh my top. God, I'm the worst. I'm the it's worst. It's I'm just you're, the worst. My your own book is a great book. So big shout out to your own too. <laughs> I've had your own on the podcast too. That's why I had taken to the top in the in my head. I'm a I'm a moron. I'm, I'm just a big good, moron, Jake. <laughs> oh, good man. Don't worry about it. Um, I just wanted to to be clear, to be clear for our listeners here. Um, I mean, go yes. support your own book as well. But uh, if you want to buy my book. Mine's called Built to Lose. Um, <laughs> to answer your question, uh, look, I mean, the league does operate cyclically, and there needs to be just like you know, Dejounte. I mean, Dejounte Murray's trade was really what started this thing because he went for two unprotected and three first, and um, you know, then that I think that had an impact on Rudy Gobert. So we just need one event to change everything back, and because you know, I can tell you from my experience talking to people and. You know, really seeing it unfold in real time, sometimes from you know, conversations on, on both sides of the deal, precedents and comparisons really do matter. When mm -hmm. Kelvin Johnson signs a four-year, $74 million contract with $6 million in incentives, um, you know, that, that's a now a data point that agents and teams are going to have for DeAndre Hunter, for Grant Williams, for other you know, negotiations on the table. Same thing for trade valuations. You know, when Aaron Gordon goes for – RJ Hampton and a first round pick and expiring or and veteran salary, like that's a young player and a first round pick. It's no, it's no coincidence that that becomes the Pistons asking price for Jeremy Grant a year later. So all it takes is, I mean, the market is going to get capped out at a certain point, but there are only so many teams that actually have so many picks to go and trade for these guys. But then again, you know, if Utah or OKC decides to throw five picks at, you know, a guy at some point down the line in the next three, four years, then, it, then it'll it'll be out of whack again. So mm -hmm. the market's going to always be fluctuating, is I guess my point. And right. it's going to be dependent on recent history, but also the executives at play. Because at the end of the day, just like when you're in a fantasy football or fantasy basketball league, like there are certain owners in your league that you know, oh, you know, he's going to ask for less or he's going to ask for higher. There's a human element involved here too. Like, right. Danny Ainge is a different, you know, trader than Sam Presti, than Leon Rose, than Pat Riley, than down the line. So, um, it really is a collection and combination of factors of timing and who's involved and, you know, where a player is at in their contract, how old they are. Everything is kind of like a fluid sliding scale. Fascinating stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time. Really appreciate you uh, not leaving after I misquoted the book that you wrote because I'm a moron. Uh, I promise I got it right in the tee up of the show. Uh, 
just had your road on the brain. I suppose. Don't feel bad about it. I just uh, had the shill hat on and wanted to make sure that the dollars were coming to me. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Buy both books, actually. That, that's both the books. way to go exactly. about it. Yeah. The room um, did a really deep dive on Philly. Mine's got a lot of stuff on Philly, Boston, Phoenix, Orlando, Cleveland, Milwaukee. I mean, I mean, a lot of teams around the league. Like, like if you're an NBA fan and, and like the stuff I'm doing now, you're gonna find out way more because it happened in the past and people are willing to talk about it more then. And there's, if you, if you hate anonymous sourcing, I want to think that my anonymous sourcing is bullshit. Well, there's a lot of people <laughs> on the record to find out. Maybe we'll even be able to guess who I'm talking to based off of a lot of the quotes in that book. So that's all awesome. I'll say. Everyone go pick it up. I'm going to pick it up before I head for my honeymoon next week. And I'm going to read it uh, throughout the trip because that sounds like uh, a great way to spend some time, baby. Uh, either way, Jake, where else can people check out your awesome work and uh, anything you'd like to plug in particular? Yeah, I'm at BR. Uh, got my podcast on Colin. Please don't aggregate this you know, twice a week. And we got more things coming. So stay tuned. Follow me and you'll get all the stuff I'm working on. Thanks for having me, man. And, uh, Congrats on the wedding and safe travel. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen. Locked on NBA as they are covering everything going on, even in the offseason. There's plenty of stuff to dig into, plenty of rumors and scuttlebutt and speculation, all the stuff we love so, so much. So go check out Locked on NBA. And with that, we'll round up the show. We'll be back again on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.